Thank you, Pastor. When he initially asked me to speak, I was like, how's that going to happen? <laughs> y'all know me. See, I, I'm already, I, I've always said y'all, so I, I just didn't put the twang in it as much. Now I can put the twang with it, right? I can get away with that. Um, I was like, how is that going to happen? How am I going to be able to do this? All right, get the Kleenex out here. Get those ready here, because I know I'm going to need them. Um, before I get into my message, I want to recognize uh, some individuals. Uh, one of the things that we started doing here about, about two years, has it been two years we started Next Steps, or a year and a half, I forget exactly, we started the Next Steps program. Uh, for those who are new to AFA or who have... Um, <clears throat> new believers to the, to the faith. And we just had our last gra uh, graduating class. We don't call them graduates. They, they completed the course. Uh, but I want to recognize them uh, as, as one of my last acts for the Next Steps class. So I'm not going to have you guys come up on the platform. I told you I wouldn't do that. But I do want you to at least stand up as I call your name, all right? Uh, so Dylan and Becca Erickson, right back there. Troy Hubbs here. Laura Torrance, which I believe she's not here today, and then Becky Schoenfelder. And there, she must have stepped out. Would you guys show your appreciation to them? <clears throat> you, can, you can go ahead and sit down. Thank you. And I, I also want to recognize our faithful leadership uh, for Next Steps class. Um, Bob and Jackie Prosper, would you stand, please? And Dara E. Conger. <clears throat> So thank you guys for your faithful leadership over that class. Uh, I'm going to talk today about seasons of life. I just felt like that was appropriate for, for what's happening right now with us. And, and uh, we, were joking, <clears throat> we were joking in the staff meeting a couple weeks ago after Pastor Ryan spoke, uh, wondering if I would break down or become emotional as many times as he did. Um, I think I think he did at least five times. Maybe maybe he was ten. I don't. I I kind of lost track. You know, it was so many. And I, he's not here to hear this. Maybe he'll listen later on. But uh, I, and I, I think Pastor Ben said the youth ministry team members were taking bets, although we don't bet in church, <laughs> right? But they were taking bets on the over under, and I think that it was going to start at like five and a half or something like that. But I'm like, how do you do a half of an emotional? breakdown. I don't know how that works, but I guess that's up to you, Ben. I, I don't have to worry about that, right? Anyway, uh, so what do you say in your last message after 21 years? I've been thinking about that for quite a while. Uh, first, let me say thank you, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get through this. Thank you, for 20, I'm not, I can't look at you, 21 years of productive ministry, allowing our kids to be kids, teaching our kids, 
loving our kids. I'm not there yet. And the, for the time I broke down down here during the last song, Joni, doesn't count. All right? Because like pastor, that is one of my new favorite songs. Because he has been faithful. Thank you for loving Michelle and I. <clears throat> accepting us flaws and all. Not always pointing out our flaws or mistakes. Forgiving us when we let you down. Supporting us, encouraging us. I'm not there yet. Praying for us and blessing us in many different ways. There are probably many other ways I could say thank you or things I could say thank you for, but these are the ones that initially came to my mind. It seemed again appropriate to talk in my last message about the seasons of life, the different seasons of life. And the, the, the obvious scripture reference is Ecclesiastes 3.1. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A person could cover a lot of different topics with this scripture. We could continue to read the next few verses, and it, it gives some specifics. But we're not going to go there today. For everything, there is a season, a time, for every activity under heaven. In the last 21 years, you have, we, you have observed many different seasons in our lives. As Pastor pointed out, we came here with two, and we're leaving with four, but we're not really leaving with four because two are staying. But we had four kids, uh, two since we've been here. Um, Michelle, Caitlin, and Megan didn't move here right away, and so I was here alone for about two months. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I was here alone for about two months. And part of the time I lived with Jan and Randy Paget. And the other part, I live with Aaron and Amy Shaw, which were just on the picture up above. Again, who were the youth pastors? Randy, Paget, and Amy Shaw. Are now with the Lord. All right, that counts as one. I'm not sure how I wrote this. Uh, I should have said, somehow I've made it through three different youth pastors. I just simply put, I've been, there have been three different youth pastors during my time here, and one full-time kids pastor. And I tell you, breaking in those young pups hasn't been easy. <laughs> but we, we did it, Pastor. We, we did it. Uh, I can honestly say that I have appreciated each and every one of them and working with them and working with Pastor Gary and Joni. We've had some really good teams over the 21 years. One of the hardest things that I have ever been through occurred in this church about 10 years ago. And some of you know what I'm talking about or will, or will remember because uh, many of you were here and experienced it as well. We, our church went through what's called the church transformation process. Uh, it literally impacted every aspect of how we do ministry. Every aspect. Let me just say that I 
for one, I'm very grateful that Pastor Gary and the church board had the courage to take our church through that experience. It wasn't always easy. And maybe it wasn't always easy for you either. Um, but I know, I know we are a better church because of it. I know we are. And I know that going into the future, the church will be healthier, is healthier, and will be healthier because of that process. So whatever your thoughts were about that process, please understand from my heart, it was one of the best things we ever did as a church. And I hope that you realize that today. Let me also say that that experience also changed many people, including the staff. It, it, it changed how we function. However, the person who changed the most by his own admission is Pastor Gary. It was not an easy experience for him by any stretch of the imagination. You have no idea. You have no idea. I don't even know all the things. But I want you to understand what he did for you, for this church. Um, so that we could have a greater influence, not just in this area, but around the world. So thank you, Pastor. I can't look at it. There's two. All right, I'll give you two. Uh, so although it was probably the hardest thing I've ever been through or been a part of, I am glad um, I had the privilege of going through that experience with you, all of you, and that we are standing on this side of it today. Um, on a lighter note, I, I remember one of the first Sundays I was here. I don't know if it was the first, second, third. I, I honestly don't remember. Maybe, maybe you guys will when I, when I say this. Um, one of the first Sundays here, uh, Sean and Laura, you were dedicating your oldest child. And I remember, what, what a nice-looking young couple in our church. And it's been a privilege getting to know you guys. So in 21 years, there have been many other child dedications, including two of our own, Austin and Jaden. I was looking through my records, and, and the first person that I performed a funeral for uh, in Aberdeen was, was Mavis Ayersman. Maybe some of you remember Mavis Ayersman. And uh, that was on December 6th, 2001. I hadn't even been here a full year yet. And uh, my last two funerals, I haven't done that many, but the, my last two funerals were this past December. Um, Virginia Erdman was on Tuesday, December 29th. And the very next day, <laughs> December 30th, was Evelyn Shoneman's. Two funerals in two days. And that is, I've never done that before. I don't know how many people have done, how many pastors have done that before. Two funerals in two days. It's kind of crazy. Now that I think about it, Pastor, most of the funerals I performed were when you were gone on vacation. So I was kind of thinking through my head, you know what? If you never go on vacation again, nobody else will die. <laughs> right? Doesn't that seem logical? That makes sense, right? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's not a very good theory. It is a theory, but it's not a very good one. 
Lana and I were looking through some of the old church directories the other day. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Uh, you remember when we used to do the church directories? Oh, man. Some of you look pretty funny. <laughs> you did. Some of you look pretty funny. Of course, you look funnier today, but, you know. Uh, some of some of you again were are are here today that were in some of those old directories and some of them I mean we're talking like really old. Um, I must say you have changed quite a bit over the years, but then again so have I. So we've seen quite a few babies born. We've seen a number of people pass on to receive their eternal reward. These are all parts of the seasons of life. Birth and death, both can bring tears. Both bring changes. I remember, I remember one couple, they were having their first child, and they were asking us, so what, what should we expect, you know, have this first child? And we, we try to explain to them, you know, the different changes that are going to happen. This is not my notes. The different things that are going to, the different changes that are going to happen. And I don't think they believed us until after the baby was born. And then they came to us and said, you didn't tell us everything. How can we tell you everything? You know, it just that's just how it is. But uh, yeah, a few more changes than they thought. Seasons of life, transitions. Over the last 21 years, we've seen many people come into the church. We've also seen people leave the church for whatever reason. Some moving away, some just leaving. We see many people active in church ministry, and, and some people start taking a break, and hopefully they'll come back into church ministry. We've seen people move into Aberdeen, and some move out. Over the years, I should have kept track of how many people I actually helped move. I, it, was, it was a number of people. By the way, tomorrow morning, <laughs> 10 o'clock, our place, 815 13th Avenue Southwest, uh, we will be loading up our truck, and we would love to have you come out and help us haul some boxes. Some of you I've helped move more than once, you know. <laughs> so, Jerry. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> he's, already, he's already promised to be there. So, But seriously, yeah, tomorrow, 10 o'clock, we'd love to see you there um, to help us. Seasons of change. Change comes whether we want it to or not. It just does. You can't stop it. Some changes are good. Some are not so good. Some are expected. Some are unexpected. Others come to us, are put upon us without our permission. Sometimes there are changes in our families. This can come about in many different ways, of course. Births, graduations, deaths, weddings. Sometimes there's death, sometimes there's pain, sometimes there's arguments and unforgiveness. And these things can bring unwanted changes to a family. As pastors, we, we see the good and we see the bad. And sometimes we see the ugly of people's lives. It's just a part of the job. 
We see the heartache. We, we, we see the dysfunction at times. We see how families can be torn apart, but we also can see them brought back together. On a brighter note, we also get to see some of the joys, the triumphs, the births, the new beginnings. There are some things that are always in season. There are some things that should always be a part of our lives. And I want to talk about two of those things to, this morning. They're, they're, not, they're not new topics. You've heard me talk about them before. But I think, you know, again, thinking about what should I talk about in my last message, I, I want to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation because they're so important. When I, again, when I thought about the last thing I would like to leave with the church family, because you are a church family of AFA, it was this, choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. Why forgiveness? Again, as a pastor, as, as a counselor, one of the biggest, I'm, I'm serious, one of the biggest issues I see is unforgiveness. In the 29 years I've been in ministry, The thing that can wreak havoc in people's lives is unforgiveness. And that phrase, wreak havoc, is not something that we, we say very often, and, and thankfully so. However, <clears throat> there are times when it is very appropriate. So what does it mean to wreak havoc? Well, to wreak, that word itself, just a couple of definitions, to inflict or execute punishment, vengeance, Etc. In other words, it doesn't have a very good connotation. To carry out the promptings of one's rage, ill humor, will, desire, as on a victim or object. Again, to wreak is not good. In fact, it's usually very bad. So what does it mean to wreak havoc? Well, havoc is great destruction or devastation, ruinous damage. So you combine the two words together, and what do you have? A mess. A big, ugly mess. It's really, really bad. It's inflicting, it's executing great destruction or devastation. And here's the thing. This is, this is what is so sad. Generally, the person is doing it to themselves. That's the really sad part. They do it to themselves. And then next, they tend to do it to those they love or have loved. So in case you haven't noticed, unforgiveness does not always affect the other person or persons, but it always affects us. It always affects you. When you and I have unforgiveness towards others, sometimes they don't even know it, right? They're not even aware. They may not even know that there is some, anything wrong in the relationship. Husbands, how many of you have been there? You didn't know there was anything wrong. Your wife sure did. She knew, but you were oblivious. They may not know that they have hurt you or offended you in some way. How is that possible? Well, because for one thing, we tend to be pretty dense people. We tend to be pretty dense, especially us husbands. 
and we're, we're not always very aware of those around us or how we have affected them, how our interactions have affected them. Secondly, because we just don't tell people. We just don't bring it up. Why? Well, we don't make them aware because we don't like to confront. Sometimes we think they should just know. They should know that they hurt me. They should know how they offended me. But they don't always know that. We think they should somehow read our minds. Somehow, sometimes, sometimes it's because we just don't want to confront. Now, there could be different reasons for not wanting to confront them. For one, it may not be safe to do so. And we, we've talked about this before. It may not be safe to do so. This is, a, this is a legitimate concern. Some people are not safe for us. For example, they may have abused us at some point in the past, or, and confronting them would not be a safe thing to do. So I get that. Secondly, they may not even, be, again, be willing to admit that anything done by them was wrong. And again, when this is the case, it may also not be safe. Sometimes we don't want to confront simply because we don't like confrontation. Believe it or not, there are some people who like confrontation. They're weird. <laughs> They're strange. But they actually like confrontation. But I would say those are probably in the minority. Most of us don't like to confront. Either we don't like to have people confront us or we don't like to confront others. And so we don't. We, we just try to keep the peace. Unfortunately, remaining silent does not always guarantee that you will keep the peace, does it? Especially if both parties know something is wrong. At that point, it just becomes the proverbial elephant in the room, right? The thing you just don't talk about. The thing you just don't mention, but you know it's there. Creating an atmosphere in the room that can become unbearable, toxic, Creating a space between individuals that cannot be bridged unless the topic is brought up and dealt with. I asked some questions here. Why do people often leave a church? Unforgiveness. Why do people often get divorced? Unforgiveness. Why do people often just leave a family? unforgiveness? Why do children often leave home and never want to go back? Unforgiveness. Why do people often leave a job? Unforgiveness. We could go on and on and on, but you, I think you see the trend here. And yet I would venture to say that most people would never admit that they did any of those things and more because of unforgiveness. Why? Because they don't want to take responsibility for their part in it. It's easier just to leave. It's easier just to stay away. It would be sad enough if we were just talking about our human relationships with one another, these, these horizontal relationships Broken friendships, broken marriages, broken families. 
What is even sadder from my standpoint, though, is when many Christians even forget about the spiritual aspect of unforgiveness. Oh, sometimes we can give a cursory acknowledgement to our unforgiveness. We can even say the words because we know we're supposed to, I, I forgive. Because we know what Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here's where it gets a little dicey. Let's say we have said the words, I, I forgive so-and-so. But did we really mean it? Well, the short answer is God knows, right? God knows the heart. If you said the words but didn't mean them, have you, have you really forgiven them? If you said the words but you then still hate them, are embittered against them, have you really forgiven them? If you, for, if you said the words, but then you continue to harbor anger and bitterness towards them, have you really forgiven them? Because Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's the hope. Instead, do these things. You see, when this passage, what this passage is saying is that if you have truly forgiven that person or persons, then you won't have that first list, the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the harsh words, the slander, or other types of evil behavior. Instead, you will be kind and tenderhearted. You will be not might be or should be, you will be kind and tenderhearted. We may need to check our hearts this morning towards certain people. We, we may need to check our attitudes today towards certain individuals. Because if we have, if you have bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, etc., towards anyone, May I be so bold as to question whether you are harboring unforgiveness towards them. If you find that you are unable, unable or unwilling to be kind or to be tenderhearted, may I venture the same question? This is so important. It's so important. It, it, it isn't just for our earthly relationships, though, is it? Most importantly, it is for our heavenly relationship, our vertical relationship with God. It was stated earlier from Matthew 6, if we don't forgive, then we will not be forgiven. And that is a very heavy price to pay for unforgiveness. For choosing unforgiveness. Thankfully, it doesn't have to be this way. Thankfully, it does not have to remain this way. Thankfully, God can give you and I the strength and the courage to let go of those things, to let go of the anger, the bitterness, the, aid, the rage, etc. We can let go of those things in our lives. Thankfully, God has given us the example in himself of a willingness to forgive, right? <laughs> I mean, he was willing to forgive us. 
He was willing to forgive me. He chose to extend forgiveness towards us. He chose to send his son to this earth to live like you, to live like me, to die like you, to die like I will die someday, should he tarry, unless, unless he tarried. So that when he rose from the dead, you and I might be forgiven, and we might someday rise from the dead and spend eternity with him as well. A very familiar verse to all of us, I am sure, John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He came to save us. He didn't come just to judge us. He came to save us. God did what you and I cannot do for ourselves. He made a way of salvation that was totally dependent on him. Totally. But we do have to accept it, don't we? Romans 5, verse 8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, you and I could never earn God's forgiveness, right? Thankfully, he chose again to forgive us. But guess what? The per that person who hurts you can never earn your forgiveness either. Just as we can never earn God's forgiveness, they can never earn your forgiveness. Just as God chose to forgive you and me, you and I have to choose to forgive those who have wronged us. And again, thankfully, God helps us to do this. God gives us the strength. He gives us the ability. He gives us the courage to forgive. I am so grateful to God that he helps us in this area because there have been many times I didn't want to do it. There have been many times in my life I did not want to extend forgiveness to a person. But with God's help, I was able to do it. And I tell you, I felt so much better. I felt so much freer because that is what we gain. We gain freedom when we forgive. And you can experience that same freedom today. If you bow your heads with me for a moment, please. Unforgiveness, again, is, is, it, it can wreak havoc in a life. It can wreak havoc in a family. And like I said, the last thing I would want to leave with you is to choose to forgive. That you would make that choice to forgive that person or persons who may have hurt you in the past. That you would allow God to help you, to give you that strength, the courage to extend forgiveness to them. So I just want to encourage you to do that this morning. I'm going to say a closing prayer, then pastor's going to come up and he has a few more things he wants to, to say and do. But I want to lead us in a prayer. Not, it really isn't for us, it's really for others. 
if there was a name that came to your mind today as I was talking, pay attention to that. Pay attention to it. I tell people often, if God brings something to your mind, it's because he wants you to deal with it. Just remember that. Don't just let it go. Don't just try to stuff it. But do, do something to deal with it. And that's something you can do today. So as I pray this prayer, if you want to pray along with me, feel free to do so. I'm just going to say a simple prayer of God asking us to help us to forgive others so that we can be in a right relationship with Him, most importantly. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for loving us so much that You were willing to send Your Son, Jesus, to die in our place, to die for us. And God, I pray if there is anyone here, if anyone is here today and they're, they've recognized now that they have some unforgiveness, maybe they didn't know it before, but they recognize it now today. I pray, God, you would help them to forgive. Give them the strength. Give them the courage to truly forgive those persons who have hurt them in the past. And let them be free. Let them be free, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you for what you have done for us that we could not do for ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brad mentioned how um, uh, he asked the question uh, how how our marriages ended unforgiveness how our families broken unforgiveness how are marriages healed from betrayal forgiveness by God's grace how do prodigals come home and they're accepted and loved forgiveness by God's grace how are friendships restored when there's been a wound forgiveness God's forgiveness he made it possible even if they don't accept it even if the, the person that we have forgiven, don't reciprocate. How do we relieve it from ourselves and, and we no longer have to carry it anymore? Forgiveness. How does an associate pastor and his wife serve in one place for 21 years faithfully and have good spirits at the end? How does that happen? Forgiveness. We're all going to be wounded. But by God's grace, we serve a healer. His name is Jesus. Michelle, would you join us on this platform as well as all of your kids?
want you to join us as well. I don't know if they knew they were going to come, but we want you to join us. And Austin is here someplace. He's, he's upstairs. He's upstairs. He's helping with the kids. Yeah. Which, by the way, um, their two youngest kids are also going to be going, and, and uh, they're leaving some holes. They, this is a family that has ministered as a family. Brad, I think you won. I think Brian actually broke down more. I am, I am, I am shocked and just a little bit disappointed. I just did not think that was going to happen. Pastor Brad has done so many things behind the scenes. So much of his service among us is doing things that few people see. A few of us have, but most people don't. I was reminded of that this week when I Several things came up, and I thought, oh, I need, no, I can't. I can't give this to Brad. They're leaving. As we announced a few weeks ago, Pastor Ben is going to be assuming that role. He's going to do it differently. Pastor Ben Snyder, transitioning from a long time, 10 years as, a, as our youth pastor, now stepping into the role of connections pastor, and we'll be we are in the process of looking for persons to replace them at that role. I'm going to ask Ben and Angie if they'll join us on the platform as well. Um, in the 21 years that Brad has faithfully served behind the scenes, much of it, I have asked him collectively probably thousands of things to do in that time. Not one time, not one time has he ever said no. Now, he didn't always like the things that I said, asked him to do. Never once. And again, as I pointed out, they finished with sweet spirits. They've worked alongside so many of you. They've helped so many of you. Pastor Brad has counseled and comforted so many of you. I'm going to ask the board as well, the current board and their wives, if you will also join us on this platform. So you go ahead and make your way up here. And I'm also going to ask this, if there are some, some former board members who are here, I see some of you are back here traveling, um, would you join us on the platform as well? We're going to pray for these people. We're going to send them out, off. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be having a luncheon uh, following this. You're invited. Please join us for that time. And there will be a lot of tears there and a lot of laughs and a lot of smiles. Yeah, step up closer so we can get behind you. Um, and, uh, and, but we want to give you the opportunity to, to express your thanks, your appreciation to them, love on them. And 10 o'clock tomorrow, help them move as well. But uh, we're so blessed. Brad and Michelle. You've, uh, you're 
you're going to be transitioning this week. On Tuesday, you pull out for Arkansas. You're going to be ministering down there. If you minister there for 21 years, you're going to be very old. But I am very confident that the Lord is leading you, and he is the one who will go before you. We release you. But then again, you've never been ours. You've always been the Lord's. Um, He's given us to you for these years, and now we bless you. As you were reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, my eyes fell to another verse in that same chapter. One of my favorites, and it's appropriate that I read this before we pray. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14 says this. I know that everything God does will remain forever. In the seasons of our life, along with Solomon, directed by the Holy Spirit, we can affirm, I know that everything the Lord does will remain forever. There are some things that Brad and Michelle and their family have done that won't make it past this lifetime. That's fine. We all have those. But what was done in Jesus' name and through the power of the Holy Spirit, well, it'll remain forever. And by the way, though they're leaving this community and moving to another, we will one day all live in the same community, won't we? Forever. No more moving. No more boxes. No more mortgages, taxes, etc. We will live just down the street from each other. A golden street. And until that day, we ask God's favor upon you. If you can, get up close behind them. Lay your hands on them or lay your hands on somebody who has their hand upon them. Would you also, please, those of you who have been ministered to, would you, uh, by this, this precious family, this is the right way to do it, would you extend your hands in prayer to them as well? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fellowship that we will have together in just a few minutes around tables. We will break bread. We ask your blessing upon that meal now but Jesus we look to another day oh it'll be another meal it'll be together around a table that has no end it'll be around a table that we will enjoy the marriage supper of the lamb we will never quite be in this same configuration until that day some we will not see until that day but I pray that in that day because of your grace your amazing grace that has given us forgiveness and given us the ability to forgive and be forgiven because of that we will gather at that time of great fellowship that will have no end until then Lord may when we hear of the King's Rider family may we know that they are faithfully used of you 
that the integrity that you have given them and that has carried them and kept them from leaving in the middle of the night from a community will keep them there as well. You're the one who has done such an amazing work in them and through them. And we know that it will continue for they continue to be yours. They've never been ours. You've just given them to us for a time. Bless them. Give them favor. They've been saying goodbye for so long. In a few days, they're going to start saying hello. I pray that you would bless that. Give them new friends and a church family and just use them in miraculous ways. Keep them close to each other. Above all, keep them close to you. And we pray these things knowing that what you do will last forever. Again, we thank you. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. 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 Would you stand with me, please? Again, we have prayed over this meal. It is great to be together. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us online. And those of you that are are online, make sure that you express your appreciation. In closing, God bless you. Would you one more time show your appreciation to these people? God bless you. Thank you so much. Our time isn't done. We're going to gather together. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.